often does God call you to serve where you're completely comfortable? Many times God uses our own discomfort as a tool to draw us closer to him. When we need to rely on his strength alone, we grow. My guest on today's episode has served the Lord in many capacities over the last several years. I brought her on this week to talk about being willing to serve. I'm Tina. I'm a wife and stay-at-home mom of three boys. Life is full of crazy, and I want to share it with you. I really want to do this podcast, but like you, I don't always have time to sit down and record. So we're going to fold laundry, bake, do all the things together while we talk. I'm glad you're here to walk through life with me. I am so excited to have Jennifer here, a friend of mine, on the podcast today. I think you're going to have a lot of tips and just insight that, well, at least it'll be helpful for me, but hopefully it's helpful for everybody else too. Jennifer, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself, what you do, your family? So I have been born and raised in Kansas City. I was homeschooled up until high school, and then I graduated from a small school in Shawnee, went to a couple junior colleges, and ultimately ended up getting my uh, degree in physical therapy assistance, and then went on to specialize in brain injury and spinal cord injury and pain and then felt called to ministry. I had done some missionary work uh, throughout that time and felt like I was called to formal ministry. So I stepped into, oh gosh, I have done every kind of leadership role you can think of besides preach from the main pulpit, um, including a little bit of men's ministry. <laughs> but I, everything from nursery to coffee shop to onboarding uh, new people into a church, uh, leading missions trips, youth ministry women's ministry. Currently, I'm still co-leading the women's ministry. And so that's kind of what I've been doing professionally. Um, I am married to the man I said I would never date, um, which is a fun story. We have two cute kids, um, six and almost eight. Yep. Right now we're living the COVID life. My husband works from home. I'm homeschooling. I work part-time. And then we are just here all the time in this season. (laughs) Over the last three, probably more months, you know, I'm I'm at that stage where everything just recently happened, but it probably happened like six years ago. Sometime somewhat recently, I, in going through the book of Mark, it really stuck out to me the significance of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and just how insignificant the little boy was and and his lunch of loaves and fish and I mean just thinking about our youngest who is almost five and how much he eats at a meal just kind of picking here and there that lunch may not have been very big and so Christ asking the disciples to reach out and to see well who has food here because everybody's getting hungry and the disciples, their first response was, well, send them away to get their own food. They're grown-ups. And then they all they found was that little boy and his lunch and his willingness 
to share. I think it's easy for me to think that what I have to offer isn't worth it. It's, it's not worth anybody else's time. It's not worth my time to even try to, to offer it. But Jennifer, in hearing your story and how you got, I don't know if you would say sucked into the ministry, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hardcore sucked in. Yeah. Not my plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it just, that story of Christ ministry made me think of you. Did you expect to be leading ministry? No. Um, I am an introvert and not a kind of an introvert, like an introvert introvert. I didn't know that I would have like social anxiety, panic attacks. I didn't know that's what it was called as a kid, but my adrenaline in social settings as a kid, um, and get frozen. You know, I was a kid who would hide behind my parents. I have vivid memories of that, or people would talk to me and I could not respond, couldn't make eye contact for, with people, and found myself constantly being put in positions where I would be put in charge of things. And, um, you know, I think that was God pushing me along in a skill set that I would later use. But I, Really did not anticipate ever wanting to ever <laughs> lead in ministry at all. I was very content uh, sitting in the background um, watching other people, um, which again would be a talent that I, that God would use as well as part of, as part of a leadership later on. But you know, as it happened, I remember in like sixth grade, I was asked to check people in and be part of the skit team. And I was terrified, but I was challenged to do it. And um, I, I mean, it shouldn't be a big deal to help check kids in, but I was terrified of <laughs> meeting people. <laughs> and so I remember that was like my first leadership role. And it seemed so small, but I mean, it was 11 when I was being asked to play a part in a skit and, you know, help point kids in the right direction. And from there, it was small little stuff like that up until... Um, I felt called to go to the mission field and instead was found myself as the missions assistant who was going to start a college ministry. And I didn't even know any of the people at my church. And I just was asking our missions pastor to send me on a missions trip somewhere. And he's like, great. And you can be my assistant and meet all the missionaries. And because you're college age, you can get all the college students together and you're going to start a prayer group and then you're going to get together. And I'm like, you have found the wrong person. It's not that I'm antisocial, but I'm not social either. <laughs> so uh, thus began, um, you know, a, a beautiful journey that was really uncomfortable all along the way. It just every time those new scenarios come along, they're very uncomfortable for me from asking to step into women's ministry with an eight-week-old postpartum colicky baby to greeting new people. I was a greeter to meet new people in our church for two years. And again, I get crazy anxiety meeting people I've never met before. And to do that for two years every single week, it wasn't great. <laughs> Maybe people didn't come back to the church after visiting because of those kind of scenarios. It's uncomfortable. But that said, um, the reason why I continued to lean into it was because I saw because I saw God in it, 
you know, and God was bigger than those fears. And yet at the same time, I find myself in this season living my introvert life and I get to love it because this is the first time God really hasn't called me to the forefront in a while. And so I'm on like my sabbatical. And so I'm living, you know, in the, in this season with this calling right now where I'm being faithful in my home to my people here. So were you ever tempted though to say no, or did you feel as though you, you had to say yes in these situations? Did you feel, did you like look at it and think, oh, sure, I guess I could be gifted in here? Or was it just, what's, what's that process? Yeah. So definitely when starting the college ministry, that was a moment where I was like, felt a lot of pressure. And I'm sure that was a lot from me because I didn't know no was an option at that point. But there was a lot of pressure to, and I could get fired up about this. We could, we could, we could go around about the, the pressure that sometimes comes to, for volunteers and roles in the church. Um, but I felt a lot of pressure to start that. And, and my current day self would say, um, if I was in that position, I would have said, no, I'm pretty comfortable saying no these days, but I didn't have the security that I have now where I felt like that was my only option. Cause I feared rejection and not being disliked and people weren't going to like me anymore. And what was that going to say about me? Or was I going to be considered rebellious? Um, I certainly didn't feel capable uh, for so many reasons, um, but uh, I also didn't do it alone. And I think that was another thing is I had people around me and never have I ever done any of those, any of those areas. Have I ever done them alone? Um, Probably the most alone was my most recent role in the church as a volunteer coordinator. And that was my, it was my pride and joy because I got to advocate strongly for those gifts and talents and using what you had and learn along from all of my experiences, along with the people that I had worked alongside with that, um, you know, it's not a matter of like pressuring people into volunteer roles or to doing things. It's a matter of unleashing people to disciple or to minister or to serve in a capacity that uses their gifts and talents that use what they have. And because I had so much experience feeling like the fish out of water, or feeling uncomfortable, or sometimes feeling like I was being asked to do things that I wasn't comfortable doing, um, that leadership role really came from that fire of not asking people to do things that <laughs> they don't have a wheelhouse for, you know, somebody who doesn't like kids probably shouldn't serve in the nursery. <laughs> and that was, okay. So that, that was me, the, the meeting, the visitors thing. Um, I stepped down from that because I said, this is not a good fit. Um, and they, that hurt them, uh, not hurt them emotionally, but that hurt them because they didn't know who else was going to fill that role. And that role had to be filled by somebody else. Because I said, you know, I really think I'm hurting the church because I'm so awkward and so uncomfortable that I'm not representing who the church actually is. And so I think also knowing that sometimes your fish are meant for other people and your those fish and loaves need to come from someone else um, because I have my fish and loaves that are meant for a very specific time and place. 
I like how you just put that though with the your fish and loaves are meant for one thing mm. and someone else's that's yeah because I yeah I definitely um I'm a yes person I say yes mm. to everything so something that you you pointed out in what you just said was that mm-hmm. you're not doing it alone mm-hmm. that sounds like a key to a leadership role or just right. any other willingness to be part right. of ministry is that you're not right. doing it alone and or thinking that you're doing it alone. Yeah. I will say I spent a lot of my homeschool years um, alone and stepping into community after that. Um, I'm very good at social distancing. I'm very, very good at isolation um, and social I love to be around people, but I still feel that really incredible junior high awkwardness about not knowing how to, you know, make it weird. Uh, But I have found that when I do things alone, it doesn't go well because I can bunny trail. Maybe I'm a little distracted. Maybe I'm in my emotions. Uh, Maybe I don't want to be doing something that I need to be doing. And I will say anytime anybody else comes along, I feel this like surge of like, okay, let's get this going. Let's get this done. There's a checks and balance. You know, me and my husband, he's a great counterbalance for me. I can tell what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. Um, Starting a prayer ministry with friends where I'm the person who can start things, I'm really good at starting things, but inevitably there is somebody who comes alongside who makes it glow, you know, who, who's the person who, who brings life to it. And so I would say, I feel like I'm the John the Baptist person. I don't mind going first and preparing the way, but inevitably it's for somebody behind me. And so making sure that I have eyes that are not just myself or having blinders on or just thinking that it's just me, I have found it's so much better with other people, even if you don't work well with those other people. Um, I definitely have had most, if we're talking specifically ministry and professionally, um, have, have most of my teamwork opportunities. I have people that we don't click. Um, we don't see eye to eye. We have different ideas. Um, specifically, if you love parties, I am a party pooper. <laughs> so I am much more of a clinical, let's get the work done. Let's put our head down and then let's all go home. And then there are you know, people who are like, let's do a party. Let's have it. Let's take a break. I'm like, why would you take a break when we can just get this done? Or why would we spend money on something as meaningless as a party? And I have to have those people in my life saying to relax and to have fun. It is checks and balances. I will say also scripturally, it talks about we're a body, right? Like from our head, we have heads, we have, I say, I feel like I'm the elbow in the body of Christ. You know, I'm not the finger and I'm not the eyeball, but I do really good at, you know, making everything very functional. (laughs) And so, you know, when you do life together and you identify what part of the body you are, you realize that you need the other body parts. I love the description and envisioning myself as the elbow because I think, what would you do if you didn't have elbows? Well, you 
I mean, even if you had hands, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do very much. So I think the elbow is an important role at the same time. An elbow is no good, you know, if it doesn't have a shoulder, if it doesn't have, you know, it's a whole moving part. And so we were never meant to just be one rigid blob. We were meant to be very dexterous and fluid and complementary of each other and, so yeah, I feel very, very strongly that we do not do life alone, period. Were you always like that? Because, so I, I ask because thinking through to my, uh, back to my <laughs> school days and group projects, they used to just drive me up the wall because I had this vision and I had the focus, you know, this is what it could be. And not everybody cared to get it up to that high goal. And so I, you know, Thinking about now, I'm feeling convicted, actually, <laughs> as you're talking, because I'm like, oh, school-aged Tina, you were, <laughs> you hated all those group projects, and there you were. There, you're just practicing out the body of Christ, and I missed the opportunity. So to answer your question, have I always been this way? Yes, I have been. For an introvert, I am a community-bound person. I'm the, um, the kind of person who will go to a coffee shop when I need alone time, and be amongst people. When it came to group projects, it wasn't that the the work didn't matter to me. It was not having to do it alone that mattered to me. Um, you know, I think a lot of life maybe for me is overwhelming or had been overwhelming going from a homeschool environment to a very, uh, what do you call it? Like a college prep school. I mean, talk about accelerating, you know, your scholastic requirements and to feel like I could pace myself with other people, you know, it, it gave me something to, to latch onto. If I could work with other people in group projects, I could pace myself alongside them and, and pick up a tempo. And then I developed a skill set where I could then begin setting the tempo for other people in other projects, um, you know, for other ministry opportunities. Starting about my senior year, um, I began setting the pace that other people would come alongside as well. I was never much of a scholastic student um, up until, you know, I entered my uh, physical therapy training. I wasn't much of a student. But again, because I was able to go alongside people, I quickly picked up what what that skill set was, which is another reason to not do life alone. If you want to learn a skill set, you know, we even have YouTube. You could have virtual buddies, but you don't try to build a house with no research or not being able to ask people questions. And so I still don't do like doing life alone. You know, in this season, this is, we met in this COVID season. Um, I, it's everything to me to have people to text that life is crazy or to have a play date, you know, when I'm homeschooling and we're all new to homeschooling, you know, and all of us never thought we would all be homeschooling. And again, it's nice to not feel like, <laughs> I mean, I think the reason why TikTok has blown up so much is because all the things that I thought I was weird for doing, now there's video evidence that I'm not the only one who thinks this way, who talks to themselves in the bathroom, telling themselves jokes or, you know, making weird voices. And, you know, everyone's just as weird as me. And I think that's why TikTok has blown up as we all have found out we can be weird together. 
And at the same time, if you take the weirdness out of it. You are totally not alone in any of those things. Yeah. (laughs) Normalization. You know, I feel like maybe my insecurities make me feel like I'm the only weirdo. You know, I think the words that I frequently hear are less frequently now that I'm a little older, but it was, you're a freak. You're weird. You know, these were, you know, strange. I had, I had a lot of oddities and those kind of, uh, that negative talk when I thought I was the only one who struggled with this or had this or performed this or had imaginary friends, you know, you know, you go to a place and you find out you're not the only one who's going to hate homeschooling or do homeschooling this year. And, or, or people who have misconceptions about what ministry is going to be like. And a lot of people that I find comfort knowing that all of my feelings are normal. And so I don't have to feel bad when I'm not the only one going through it. (laughs) And so uh, I think, again, there's another reason to not just do talents where you're learning a skill, but also so you don't feel alone when struggles come along. How does vulnerability play into leadership, whether it's just in in life or or even in ministry? Do, Do you see a connection with being vulnerable, admitting the fact that you might not be what we all think is normal? If Peter can have the church built on him, then I'm okay. <laughs> I take a lot of comfort in looking at someone like Peter in the Bible. Peter was, it, it, all of the disciples, these were the people that Jesus chose. This was Jesus's community. This was the people he was going to change the world with. A, a doubter, he carried a doubter with him the entire time. You had the competition of John and Peter that was just so... <laughs> I just, do you know those people, you know, people like that have a relationship the way that John and Peter do. (laughs) And these were who people, you know, who God chose to, to, to change the world. And I think we get to see their flubs, not just the disciples, but, you know, we talk about David, we could talk about Moses, we could talk about Hezekiah and, There's not a single person when you read scripture that doesn't have a problem, that doesn't have an issue, that doesn't have a hang up or a sin or, you know, um, an attitude problem, quite frankly. Whether they chose to be vulnerable or not, their junk is for the whole world to read. It's out there. You know, we're reading just about how prideful and how off the rocker, Peter was the entire time he was with Jesus and long after and the church divided because of him and Paul's disagreements and they went their separate ways. You know, he never really learned his lesson and yet the church was built on him. And so his, I like using him because I I feel like I relate a lot to him. His junk is in the Bible for us to read. Vulnerability is so important with leadership. In fact, I would say it's a huge turnoff to me to to listen to anybody who's not who's not vulnerable. I don't I have a really hard time with people who call themselves leaders and have no transparency or vulnerability that let you know they're human, they're imperfect. I don't know 
how to trust a leader that I don't know their heart, that I don't know their struggles, that I don't know what they've been through or what they've gone through. And it's all about living. If you're going to be a leader, you got to live in the light. And that is an ultimate vulnerability, having a light, being willing to not have any shadows, you know, and of course there's levels to that, right? We've got to have boundaries. We have people who are on outer circles and inner circles, but you have to build trust through vulnerability. People have to be able to relate to you, to trust you, to be able to come alongside you and either work with you or to, to be led by you. I don't, I don't trust a leader that's not vulnerable. I know what you're talking about because in my several decades of being under the word in different churches and such, there is, there is one person that sticks out where in all of the sermons, all of the temptations, he persevered and, and he was always the hero in the end, never falling to that temptation. And it was just, I remember thinking about it and thinking, this is such a turnoff. Like, it's just not, you know, it's, it's just, come on, really? You've never, right. never, like, and it just, yeah, I, I do find myself gravitating more to the people who are more realistic. Um, yeah. Would you say that, that, you know, and how vulnerability plays into how God uses us, would you say that God has always used you when you felt most prepared when you're ready, you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, waiting for the next call. Yes. Yes. Every time that God used me, I was preparing for it. Fantastic. Absolutely not. Next never. question. Never. Oh. Next question. <laughs> no. Never, 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 never has that been my experience. And I'm not saying that God doesn't intentionally, you know, tell people what they're supposed to do with their life, but, you know, I, the example of when my son was born and I had, my kids are 16 months apart. So here I have an 18 month old and a two month old. Uh, my husband was sick. I think he had an allergic reaction. So he was sick, <laughs> not at church. I took the kids to church. I was driving home. I don't know that I've ever heard the audible, bo- audible voice of God but this was about as close to the audible voice of God that I'd ever heard. And that could be the postpartum talking, but I heard God tell me very audibly that I was going to be joining and leading the women's ministry. And at the time that was on my, no, thank you. I don't ever want to be a part of it. It was coming out of a very difficult, toxic, broken season um, that as a person emerging out of college and into marriage and family, I did not want to be a part of. And for, you know, I, I sat there at the wheel and, and was just like, are you kidding me? I've got a screaming, you know, two month old colicky and you want me to join this toxic environment. And uh, when I reached out, you know, I'm, I do, well, I'm pretty quick to obey because I've read the Bible. I, I find out what, you know, Jonah terrifies me. <laughs> So, uh, okay, Lord, if this is you. So I reached out to the lady who was mini- uh, leading the ministry and she broke down crying because she had been praying for me to come be a part of it and to help come lead it. And so I do blame her uh, for that. But what I will say is that as one example of being 
not prepared at all to enter into something that I never wanted anything to do with and to see what God did with it, which was, you know, in the first year we went from, not that numbers super matter, but we went from 30 women in a church of seven, 800 participating to um, just shy of 200 women participating um, in one year. I mean, that's a significant percentage of a, of, of growth um, in getting women to participate. And so God used it um, in a big way and he grew me a lot. I learned a lot of my ministry leadership skills from my time in women's ministry. I have to be quick to be obedient to God and understand that, you know, he's going to move me again. I, I know it. I'm not staying in this um, homeschool season forever. And, you know, I don't know what's coming down the pipe. Um, you know, I'm going to start taking classes, but who knows, you know, um, and it doesn't really matter where God put the setting doesn't matter, uh, but the obedience does, you know, and, and using my talents in whatever setting God puts me in. That's what I focus on. Um, and so I just, I'm waiting for that next surprise. I don't know what it is. But see, I really like control or at least thinking <laughs> thinking that I have control. I mean, maybe you're okay with that, but, um, yes, obviously my husband would, my my husband could tell you that I have no control issues at all. Wow. What a guy. (laughs) We should get him on here. (laughs) Oh no. I will tell you, okay, let's talk about control issues. So we tried to become foster parents. We went through the classes and, um, at the end of the class I had, I'm not quite, not kidding when I say quite literally had a mental breakdown. I was so shook by how flexible and how gracious you have to be and how bending the rules you have to be. You you know, foster kids are the exception to all the rules that you set. <laughs> and so my sister's a foster mom. We have a lot of foster families in in our life and I think I would be a good foster mom. But if I could identify as one like main TV character, it'd be Monica from Friends. Um, I had a guy, you know, ask me once if I liked rules, and he was kind of flirting with me in an inappropriate setting. It was, you know, it was a, I was a professional. Sometimes in healthcare, you get comments that aren't the cleanest, and so he he had made a kind of a lewd comment and asking me if I liked rules. And I said, yes. And if there aren't enough rules, I will make up rules just so that there will be enough rules in place. I love rules and guidelines and, and, and very, I don't like a lot of like blurred. I like it very defined black and white. Um, So the gray areas are really challenging for me. Who has God been to you Mm. recently? Or who have you seen God to be? My ever-present help in times of trouble. There is that line in scripture um, that just resounds. Ever-present help. Ever-present help. You know, I find probably the prayer I prayed the most in 2020 was help me, Jesus. And sometimes that was all I had the strength for. Quite literally, help me, Jesus. And... um really would just yearn for him to be there, ever-present help, ever-present, because I don't want to feel alone. I want to feel like he's with me, that he's for me, that he's got me. 
um, that he's in control, boy, that's, I mean, if I'm not going to be in control, then I'm going to need him to be in control. And I will tell him that I'm, you have, you better got this because <laughs> I'm not in control. And, you know, um, man, how do I just pick one? It's just that he's a comfort in this season. You know, we have been, I, I find the scriptures that I am meditating on are a lot of comfort and a lot of not alone. Um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God in him was light. And that light was the light of men shown in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. And that there are just these scriptures that I meditate on that just comfort me to where I feel like God's in control and I'm not alone. Those are the two big pillars that I feel like I need constant. Uh, that's where my meditation, my prayer back and forth with God. I don't want to feel alone and I need I need some comfort. Um, and it's either you or, or Doritos and so... <laughs> Or maybe both. Maybe you with Doritos. I don't know. <laughs> I think it, that's just something that I I come back to. I have to remind myself too. Like, wait a second. Whatever is happening, but who is God? Um, mm. And so it's. I find it very encouraging to hear how God is showing Himself in other people's realities. And twenty twenty could have been really. It, it was it was devastating. It absolutely was jarring and traumatic. And I think a lot of, we don't even understand the full trauma that, because we're still in it. It's still happening. Let's be honest. <laughs> the trauma is still, we are being hit constantly. Um, and I think that's how I know that I have secured myself in the Lord is because what is the, what's the song? When the world is shaking and nothing stands, I will hold on to your hand. There's that song called Refuge. Uh, that song um, has always been one of my favorite worship songs. In Isaiah, where he talks about, you know, he brought you up out of the ashes and he dressed you in a robe and he put a crown on your head. And if we're not in a season that we get to experience that, where we have all this muck around us, and yet I feel comfort and I feel set apart and I feel special in the Lord, not because everything's going swimmingly, but I think that's how I have felt more secure in my relationship with God and more secure in my faith and my hope um, and my redemption uh, was just the fact that the first thing I go to is this longing to be with the Lord, praying that He has it and that He's in control. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you were encouraged or challenged by something you heard. And I always love hearing from listeners. So please, please reach out at Tina Hornick on Instagram or at keepingmysanity.com. 